Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. Late night. What's up, Chalky? Do you remember Fuel TV? Dude, of course I remember Fuel TV. Fuel was epic. I know it is. But I have some exciting news. And what's up? Fuel TV is back. What? It's so sick. Yeah, back and better than ever. And they are the newest sponsors of the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Yes, I love it. Thanks, Fuel. You know what the best part is? Of course I do. You can now get Fuel a whole bunch of different ways. You can subscribe to their new app called Fuel TV Plus and get their entire library of shows like Built to Shred, Danny and the Dingo, and Drive Through, and also their 24-7 channel, all commercial free. To subscribe, just go to plus.fuel.tv and download the app. The other way you can watch is Samsung TV Plus channel 1179. That way is free and includes the better than ever fuel TV that we all know and love. Skate, snow, and our favorite... Surfing. Surfing. Wow, Lyndon, that's pretty awesome. Really pumped. Hell yeah, it is. Welcome back, Fuel. Welcome back, Fuel TV. Foo Wax. The wax that's found under all of the best surfers on the planet. You mean late night? Always under my feet. And Chalky? How do you think I pull those big airs? And layback Lars. And those laybacks. Wait, whoa, 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 we're not doing the 90s again, are we? I don't do those anymore. Foo Wax, the best wax in the game. Foo Wax. Bonsai balls. They only use real Asahi, not like all those other imitators using sorbet full of sugar. Yuck. They also get their honey from a and bee pollen from a bee farm. Healthy and delicious. No processed honey. What also makes them amazing is that they roast and make their own peanut butter. Damn! They've got seven locations. And download the Bonsai Bowl app to skip the line. Skip the line. Order ahead. Bonsai Bowl, healthy, delicious. Caliente Southwest Grill. Healthy Mexican food featuring local organic ingredients. They also have great salads, vegetarian and gluten-free options. Wow. Yep. Don't they also cater and make party packs? They do. They have all your needs for all your events. Nice. Visit calientesouthwest.com. Or go to the restaurant in Costa Mesa off of 17th Street. Caliente Southwest. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Crafted in San Diego. It's an adult beverage built for all walks of life. Bro, you've had it, I've had it. It's delicious. It is so good. It's refreshing, only 100 calories, all organic, no sugar, also gluten-free with 0.0 carbs. Hashtag enjoy cold Ashland hard seltzer. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Welcome, this week's guest. We got a surf shop founded in 62. You got it. 62, one of the most iconic shops in the US, is an East Coast Hall of Fame recipient, won the SEMA 
2018 Retailer of the Year Award. Whoa, they have what? four locations throughout New Jersey. We welcome Heritage, Brian, Elroy. Elroy. Heritage. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for sitting down with us. We're in the Pasea Hotel. You're on vacation, and it's at evening glass off. It's kind of going off. Sorry to keep you in here. Yeah, uh, that's okay. <laughs> My pleasure to be here. Yeah, welcome, Brian. It's been a long time coming. Stoked. Did you get got, some waves today? Got some good waves today. Woke up early this morning. Dead glassy. A little bit jet lagged, but definitely got a uh, pitched over a couple lifts this morning. Awesome. Nice. Well, welcome to HB. Yeah, welcome to the hood. Um, so, Brian, let's start at the beginning. You know, your East Coast representative. Uh, is that where you got your start? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, family was everything that born and bred into surfing, and dad took a chance, read at Popular Mechanics back in 1962, caught the bug, made a couple surfboards, a couple of them broke right away. And uh, he decided to tell his family he wasn't going to be working in the uh, pharmaceutical industry anymore, and he was going to open up a surf shop. Lucky for me, that was the uh, start of everything. Wait, when you brought up Popular Mechanics, what is that? What significance does that have? Oh, Popular Mechanics ran an issue on um, in 1959 on how to build a board, a surfboard, a surfboard. Okay. And uh, evidently, most of the East Coasters read it and started trying to emulate whatever was in the magazine and uh, my dad you know he's like oh, I can do this you know so he bought the kit shaped the board glassed it three hours later wrote it and broke it <laughs> <laughs> so now they don't have popular mechanics or they still do but uh, it's all YouTube now yeah. you know without the kit you just got to go DIY again well, now you now you think you can look up all the information to actually become a shaper but you still need to put your hands on the uh, blank of course. <laughs> yeah yeah so Brian, your dad was a surfer. Yes. Okay. And uh, there wasn't that many surfers back then when he started then, right? No, we had to uh, pretty much import everything we could get our hands on from California. And, you know, as the story goes, it became very popular very quick. So we couldn't really get our hands on enough boards shipped back to the East Coast. So the only way to, to really, you know, give a fledgling industry some surfboards was to actually start making them and selling them so he would make them and sell them out the back of the station wagon you're kidding me so he was a surfer saw popular mechanics and decided to make his own surfboards what how old was he when he 18 18 wow so you weren't around yet Uh, i was i was the bun in the oven yeah (laughs) okay but 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 like starting a surf he was just like i always want to build boards so i could surf and yeah kind of yeah that i mean Back in 62, there was no clothing industry. Yeah. So all you saw was, you know, Tanaka surfboards, Hobies, you know. So my dad was one of the first representatives that carried boards on the East Coast coming from California. Um, so the first thing he did was he built a factory right behind the store. Wow. Started manufacturing boards, put the boards in there for sale along with some of the California boards, you know, sold bars of wax and whatever t-shirts were available. How old was he when he opened up the factory and store? 22. Oh, wow. Crazy. So you were already born? I was born. I was four years old. Okay. And what was like uh, the the like the board concept, just trying to emulate like, you know, the other boards you're getting on from the West Coast? Like, what was his shapes like? Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. 
Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. A lot of the shapes were were actually, we would get old surfboards and strip them down and kind of just keep up with what was going on. And my dad was smart enough that he had guys that were pretty decent surfers that actually traveled a little bit. And, you know, obviously they didn't send back a, you know, a text message saying, hey, this is what's happening in California. But they would call and say, Dan, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with such and such here at Huntington or whatever, and this is what they're riding now. And my dad would have inside information right away to see, okay, well, this is what they're doing out there. How do we get the proper equipment, you know, into the hands of cool. what these East Coasters need? Nice. So your dad at 22, uh, you know, the story's not about, the podcast is about your dad, but it, I find this very interesting because he... On how it started, yeah. He, he basically helped start the surfboard building industry on oh, the absolutely. East Coast, right? Absolutely. So, so he just kind of gathered intel and said, okay, this is what we need. Did he, did he, how did he get a loan and, and all that? Like? <laughs> you know what? That, you're, you're right. He, he just took whatever money he had, invested it in, in getting boards. And as he got the boards, he would sell them. He would buy more boards. Yeah. And, and he just kept turning it over and turning a profit and then kept finding more, more merchandise to sell. So eventually he, he had enough money to where he, he started buying blanks from Grubby Clark. And, you know, he, would, he had to teach all his employees how to do all the different laborers things in yeah. the industry, like glassing, sanding, sanding you know. Coding, he yeah, he had to teach fin. himself first, and then he, in turn, had to teach them. But you also got to understand that back then, uh, say 67, 68, there was a lot of guys that were traveling around the United States that were in the same boat. They were trying to learn a, tr- a trade or a craft. Yeah. So my dad was like, he was the venue for them to learn and hone their skills. And then a lot of them would come out here or go to Hawaii. Guys like, uh, I can't think of Bushman. Jeff Bushman went through my dad's factory. Are you kidding me? No. The Hawaiian uh, yeah. shaper? Yeah. He's wow. from New Jersey. No way. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. a lot of the guys started shaping in my dad's factory and, and learned to glass boards and then moved on and you know their their tree and lineage spread out from there. Right. So you know every summer guys would you know get off the island or whatever they would come back to their roots. They would get some work from my dad when we were we would have we were making so many boards at one point that we had two crews working 24 hours a day just to. Keep up. Wow. Keep up with what was going on. Wow, that's the crazy. School of board building, huh? That's pretty so, incredible. So, uh, how long did it take for your dad's business to take off? Was it instantaneous? 
instantaneous or like nah I mean surfboard building in the middle of winter really didn't have much many legs yeah so you know seasonal he was very seasonal and my mom you know she ran the stores my dad manufactured the boards um, and whatever work that we could find to subsidize just making a living with two kids my sister was born then um, we would do hatch cover furniture we would you know use our resin he would he was my dad was a chemist at one point so he really had a basic understanding of like resins and plastics and dynamics and stuff mm. like that so he just applied whatever he knew on a greater scale into you know designing surfboards and designing whatever he needed to do to support his family at the time wow. cool so you said you said you started the factory first right and then yep. you mentioned you had stores when when was your first uh, we opened the first open? store in 64 64 okay. so heritage surf and sport was established in 62 the first store was opened in 64 and I mean we you know you can only sell so many boards out of a back of a station wagon right so we needed a retail place and the first surf shop was called Little Wave because obviously at the time the surf on the East Coast was pretty small so yeah. we called it Little Wave Surf Shop hmm. that's cool so before Heritage Surf and Sport it was called Little Wave correct okay so um, probably 1970. Little Wave. That sounds like a kind of an Indian, you know, like a reservation name yeah. of like a kid. Like, <laughs> Horse hey. Feather and Little Wave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> little Wave Surf Shop. Yeah, Feather Wave. Um, how, you, you talked about it being like a seasonal business at, at first and having to compensate for that, that those winter winter months. At what point did you, you know, did the surfers like call it quits? Like it got cold November. They could tough it because it wasn't well, really rubber around. Well, we had some, you know, beaver tails and stuff yeah. in the late 60s and 70s, yeah. and but the wetsuits, they were horrible. Yeah. But we had the turkey trot in November, and, and we would have, that was one of the biggest contests on the East Coast. I mean, people from Florida all the way, New York, everywhere would show up for the turkey trot in Ocean City, and we had top-notch competitions going on there, and guys were going out in 50-degree water in bare minimum wetsuits that were kind of like dive suits. Yeah. You know? It's amazing. You have to the, put like a, uh, a Vaseline. Vaseline. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, I've read yep. those stories. And guys would even smoke cigarettes just to keep warm. Right? <laughs> a lot of coffee. Fire, yeah. Fires <laughs> on the beach for sure. It's amazing what good waves will, will do. Like, you yeah. know, I, 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 could, I could get out there and catch three. No, I could stay for 30 minutes, you know, and yeah. just the desire to catch waves. So 1964, Little Wave gets opened. Um, God, what was I going to say? What what city in, in New Jersey? Was it Sea Isle? Was sea Isle it? City. Okay. And there was already about two other shops that were established in Ocean City. And there was a couple in Atlantic City and Abseekin Island. Yeah. Surf shops at the, in, in the late 60s, early 70s were popping up everywhere. Yeah. You know, that was the trend, the Gidget and all that. Yeah. So it, it was definitely a fad. You know, I mean, at one point, I believe in Ocean City, the island right next to us, there was nine surf shops yeah you know it's just a matter of which ones were going to make it at the time it, it's crazy how um hollywood and media can uh influence a, a trend a surge in some industries right oh absolutely like you mentioned gidget beach blanket bingo all those things played a huge role in the growth of, of well, i mean just then. the image of surfing itself was so cool yeah right? every you know everybody wanted that everyone's dean slick yeah. back hair yeah. smoke a cigarette Sit yeah. at the beach, you know, like all bronzed up and ripped, and yeah. chicks in bikinis. Yeah. Sign yeah. me up. It's not much different now. Yeah, you know, I mean, surfers—they're an attractive bunch of guys, yeah. and girls. You know, yeah. I mean, 
we live a great lifestyle. Was your um, like business like people was it more community driven or were were, they, were were you guys getting like kind of tourists too? Well, where our stores are situated, we're in a tri-state area, so we yep. would get the Philadelphia base. You know, we'd get the North Jersey and the New York people that would come. You know, for like three months out of the year and vacation yeah. at their summer homes. You know, we had to make it in three months, so you know. It was balls to the wall, and, and you just worked your butt off for three months, and then as it slowed down in, in the September and October, depending on if we had a good hurricane season, um, you know, then, then you went into the winter months, and you were trying to find work to see how you could make a living and, and, and keep it going till till the spring when everything kicked back in again. Yeah, so crazy. So um, obviously, your dad got you into surfing. Um, did he did he push you into it pretty pretty early on? You know, my dad was so busy hustling and working that a lot of the team guys would take me to the beach. And they took turns essentially babysitting me. So right. finally, by the time I was five, he took an old surfboard, he cut it down and said, here. He wrote chopper on it, that's what he called me. And he made me a little six foot diamond tail and that was my first surfboard. So I've got pictures of me at five years old riding the whitewater. Wow, cool. So, I mean, Thank God he, he got me into surfing, I mean, at five, because the love for it right now is just incredible. Yeah. That's early. That's an early yeah. start. Yeah. Um, so a single fin chopper. Yep. That diamond <laughs> yep. He, he probably took a 9-0 and cut it in half and, and maybe even were, less. And weren't invented yet, No, right? boogie boards were still in the drawing board. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like, you know, boogie boards came after, like, surfing. You yeah. Would, you, that would be the natural progression of... Yeah. But, yeah, surfing, OG. So you started at five years old, and you fell in love with it right away because everybody that watched you took care of you as surfers, so it was kind of a natural thing for, for you to progress in, right? Well, it was. I mean, the fact that I was a fairly decent athlete at a young age helped too. Um, you know, just the fact that, hey, if I was going to go to the beach and they were going to take me to the beach, I wasn't going to sit and play in the sand all day. Yeah. So I would watch the bigger guys go paddle way to the outside. And I'm going to tell you, for the first four or five years, until I was maybe nine or ten, they would tease me because I would stay inside and ride the whitewater the whole time, you know? Like, when are you going to paddle to the outside, you know? like <laughs> I'm only you know, six years old, you right. asshole. <laughs> so, but because they would tease me, it kind of made me want to, you know, I'm yeah. going to prove to them. Yeah. And then once I got to the outside and was catching waves on the outside. You're like, why didn't I do this it. like it three years ago? It was game over. Yeah. <laughs> I keep telling Linda to get to the outside. Linda, get to the outside. You're going to be so much better off. Uh, I'm sure they did it. That's called tough love, right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, there was, I mean, think about it. In the, in the late 60s and 70s, there was a lot of characters hanging around oh, the store. Oh, man. Because so, that was like the, the um, awakening of, of drugs. Oh, and, and everything. Like, so free I mean, sex I, and all that stuff, I, right? I, I saw a lot of the free sex <laughs> at a young age, surprisingly. Yeah, very loose and, um, you know, they're very, uh, yeah, open. They yeah. a lot of partying. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure my mom probably was pulling her hair out going, what's going on in this store? I got kids growing up here. But yeah. she was she was really a saint about it. She, uh, she knew that we were in good hands with the team guys, but yeah. she just didn't approve of their antics at the time. But right. No harm, no foul. They're all looking yeah. out. They're like, hey, this is not for you, but I mean, it doesn't mean we're not going to Absolutely. Hide it. Absolutely. That era, and we keep talking about like when we, when we 
talk about that time on yeah. just the state of the, the, the industry, but just in you know the U.S. as itself. You know, uh, people were starting businesses. They weren't scared to like you know fail. They were taking you know ri- big risks and yeah. you know. There's a lot of changes going on at that time. A lot Absolutely. of opportunity, but it wasn't just handed opportunity. It was, you know, grind it out yourselves yeah. and, and, and take the initiative and, and give it a shot, you know? Well, and the it, work ethic was... Way different. Way different. <laughs> uh, and we'll get to that with your employees. And, and the work ethic was out of necessity to survive. Yeah. You know, so right away at, at a young age, I was taught a heavy dose of work ethic. I mean, my dad and mom had us putting together Chicago skateboards where you scoop the bearings and pour the eight bearings into the wheel, turn it, and, you know. So that was the other thing he got into. He saw skateboarding. Early. skateboarding. Yeah. You know, we made skateboards. We produced fiberglass skateboards. We did everything. We sold them to, like, Kmart, to Walmart. You're kidding me. To, yeah. You know, where else were they going to get them? Yeah. yeah. So we were on it. We saw what the trends were ahead of time. We were like, all right, we can do this. You know, he would he would laminate a big sheets of fiberglass, and we would cut out kicktails. Press drill them, you know, put together the, the Chicago skateboard wheels. So cool. The flex decks back then with GNS and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we crushed it on that. We, we, Did that you was just Christmas. call those heritage? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And was heritage that was that more of a 365 business model? Like, were you able yeah. to sell, like, you know, yeah. kind of Christmas on, on, comes around, everything. you're cranking birthdays, yep. like yep. graduation, all whatever all we needed to do to, to, to make it. Yeah. We, we adapted to and we just did it. How fun. That's the great American way right there. It is. That's what I'm talking about. Like that that era is like, you know, you just you learn to do it and you make it work. You, you charge. Know? You charge. You just Yeah. And that's uh, I mean my I, I feel like that's you know, my parents and how they you know, they, they were right out of high school, kids, you're growing up, get a job, house, get that picket you know, like yeah. now kids are like, I wanna stay home until I'm thirty and then I don't you know Here's ten bucks for no. the last. Yeah, I, I, as soon as I was sixteen or seventeen, I was out of the house. Wow, freedom! Yeah, well, I was traveling. At that point, I was traveling also on the well, tour. So. Before we get to the travel part, so yeah. you're you're getting good at surfing. Is your dad a goofy foot too, or he's a goofy foot? Okay, so that's why you're a goofy foot too. Uh, no, predominantly the waves on the east coast normally break from northeasters. So when a nor'easter comes, predominantly their left's wherever you're going to go. Got it, got it. That was the way to go. Okay. Yeah. So did you um, start surfing contests at all? or? Um, I actually got pretty good when I was about 12 or 13, and the ESA was really just starting to take hold. Cecil Lear and my father were, were you know, organizing different districts, and um, there was... What was nice was it was it was an outlet to see how good you were as far as competing. And my first contest, I surfed in 3A. I won. I, excuse me. I, I surfed in 1A, and you had to surf 1A first. You had to win 1A. Then you had to surf 2A, and you had to win 2A to get to 3A. Once you were in 3A, then you could qualify for the uh, for Hatteras and East Coast Championships, which was that was the big cheese, you know. The, uh, watching Michael Grassley and Ricky Rasmussen and Greg Lore and those guys surf down there was like the epitome, you know, and you wanted to emulate them yeah. even as a young kid because that's all you knew was these guys are ripping on the East Coast and I want to get to Hatteras. Hatteras is the litmus test. Yeah. I want to I want to see how I can do. So my first championship when I was in boys, I ended up finishing third in East Coast Championships. Wow. So everybody was like, huh. You got, he's, he's got some talent. Pretty good. Chopper here is pretty good. <laughs> Chopper is 
kind of killing it. What was uh, what was the equipment you're on in that that boys? You know, um, I'm sure you got a bunch in, of boys. In the you first quiver. boys, I was riding probably a round pintail stinger single fin. Cool. Right and stingers are kind of coming back. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those yeah. re, re, uh, surge right now with the uh, with the wings and the channel and the, the twins. So the stinger, you know, we were watching a little bit of the. Ben Ipa influence and all those guys and they seem to be turning a lot quicker you know you had all that forward volume and now all of a sudden it was loose behind that yeah the shortboard revolution was starting to happen too right or oh. it already did no well you know we, we kind of speeded the shortboard revolution up a little bit at least in my opinion a lot of the things that I saw once I started surfing and competing um, a lot of the shapers, even though they were working in Dad's factory, a lot of them were older shapers, and they were stuck in an antiquated idea of what the board should feel like. So as better shapers came through, we got to see like guys like Tom Parrish, and you know, like I said, Jeff Bushman and all come through Dad's factory. So we, we kind of got the the change in designs firsthand right away, and we saw you know went from single fins to these big box twin fins with wide tails and then the Reno Avalero twin fins and then all of a sudden we had stingers and, and wingers and yeah. you know so all these different designs kind of opened, were coming yeah, the, through. The kind of Pandora's box of like what could, yeah, what yeah, could yeah. in woodwork you know or should work. So do you remember the first time you rode a, a twin fin after riding a single yeah. fin all your life? Yeah I remember pulling 360 spinners like <laughs> non-stop on waves and in contest when you did a couple spinners and came out of it and surfed down and you did another spinner that was like the epitome of like the ultimate move that's like doing an air rio flip now or yeah. you know so you know like we i was getting scored incredible points for doing three 360s on a wave you know yeah. but that was that was in there like mid 70s yeah. yeah so awesome so how long did your uh, amateur career go? Oh, I surfed probably as an amateur right up until 78, 79. I competed in like U.S. championships all the way from boys to juniors. And I think I did one year of men's. And I would do the U.S. championships, traveling around. I surfed with a bunch of guys with Bud Lamas and a couple guys here from the Huntington cool. in, nice. in the early U.S. championships. Um, Jerry Boyd. Yeah. <laughs> in Hawaii, I went out. We had the U.S. Champs in Hawaii. I ended up getting ninth overall and being like the second highest mainlander behind Scott McCrannels. But it, it was just an eye-opening thing. And, and you know, my what my family really helped me out with. I mean, they didn't have much money. I mean, really didn't. But they made sure that when I needed to get to an event, I was able to get access to it. And in turn, when I came back, I, I just filled my dad's head with all the knowledge I soaked up. Yeah. I mean, that, as a parent, you of course you want to support your kids' dreams, but you know he was obviously reaping benefit too, and you know making a name for for yourself, but for the for the you know the heritage family, and then yeah, have a you shot. Exclusively connections. rode your dad's board then, right? Or no? I did. Okay. Um, and one of the things that made me want to become a shaper was some of the boards that I would see out, you know, my travels were just years ahead of what we were doing and I kept saying to my dad I, I can't turn these boards like I want to turn and as I got to be a better surfer I, I started trying to articulate 
to the guys that were shaping me boards, and they just weren't getting it because they, they couldn't yeah. you know, rationalize what I was trying to say to them. So I, I finally asked my dad to get me some blanks, and he got me about 15 seconds from Pete Dooley at Natural Art, and uh, he had Tom Hogan come in from Warm Winds um, up in Narragansett, and Tom was an incredible shaper. He was a, uh, he was a carpenter. So he taught me how to shape a board like building a cabinet. Yeah. Step by full step. Full craftsman. Full craftsman, you know, to make sure that everything I did was true and and I was able to take what I learned from like guys out west and guys here and then start whittling it down and the proper rails that I wanted. And the boards at first, it, they moved pretty good, but as I got I better, you did that, I started shaping when I was 17. Wow. But it, it changed everything. Yeah. It changed the dynamics of, of what we were doing as a store, what we were doing as you know a company shaping boards, and it put us you know in the forefront because I started making boards for a bunch of team guys, oh. and I got to pick the team guys. So I really picked the best surfers, and I wanted to put them on what I thought was state of the art, futuristic shapes that they wanted to ride because. I wanted to give them a chance to progress, you know, along with everybody else ahead of the curve. Yeah. What a cool experience to be able to like visualize what you want, go shape it, and then go ride it, you know, and just, you know, firsthand like, you know, feedback. So backtrack, did you work the store at all when you were a kid? Um, or are you too busy? I, I did. No, I, I mean, I had to take the money I made to go on tour. So it. So I had to work. I started working at 12 in the stores. Awesome. And then by the time I was 15, my dad had me out there grinding hatch cover furniture, whatever. I, I, I mean, I routed fins. I sanded, wet sanded boards, yeah. you know, whatever. You weren't the whatever spoiled, it took. spoiled kid. That no, he was employee number number uh, three. <laughs> Mom, dad, and then you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. what, uh, did you, you know, being in a surf family and growing up there, did you guys do some family, like, traveling? Where was your first, like... Surf like first 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 surf trip. Honest, I never really went on a surf trip with my parents because they were so busy and they only had enough money to just send me on the trip. Yeah. And dad, mom in the store, dad running, you know, running the the business. The first trip I think I ever went with my parents was probably like Tortola or something, where they finally said, "All right, we're going to go to a place where we can all." You know, surf together. Yeah. And it's funny because at, at one point, you know, when you're surfing with your dad and you start dropping in on him, he's <laughs> like, what the, you know, what the yeah. hell, you know? And I'm like, that's I've when I, that's when I knew. That's when I knew, like, all right, I'm, uh, I'm already better than him. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm burning him already. <laughs> hey, you know, that's what happens. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to experience that real soon. <laughs> yeah, you are. Sooner Groms. than you think. Groms. So, um, do you, did you ever pick up sponsors when you were... Uh, yeah, I was actually one of the first East Coasters to ever have a contract from a clothing sponsor in, in New Jersey. No way. Sundeck. What? Sundeck gave me $200 a month to surf for their did clothing. Did you turn pro then? Yeah. So cool. How old were you when you turned pro? Uh, 17. Wow. So you pretty Representing. much... Yeah. What about like... Like getting ads in the mag and all that came with it too, oh, yeah. right? Modeling shots, oh, I can't wait ten yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so at seventeen years old, you signed a contract with Sunday. Yes. And Sunday was 
Was that was that when it first came out? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they had a good team. They had like guys like Geckley, yeah. Ken Bradshaw. Yeah. You know. Was, was that the era? The same yeah. era? Yep, yeah. same era. Nice. So it was a lot of Florida guys and me. Yeah. <laughs> and Ken Bradshaw. And Kelly and, and uh, Kelly. Kelly eventually Sean, moved for Sundeck. Right? Like, yep. Yeah. Wow, yeah. dude. Sundeck was the shit. Yeah. yeah. Can I say Ooh, that? Big. Yeah. We, <laughs> we can say what the fuck we want. <laughs> Linda's oh. a potty mouth. So that's exciting. So Sundeck. 17 years old, 200 bucks a month. That's pretty rad. Like, was your when you told your dad, he was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> well, actually, my dad and Bill Yorkies were tight, but Bill's that Bill, the guy that started yeah, it. Bill, okay. Bill owned Sundeck, and okay. he was originally from New Jersey, but he knew he saw all my contest, you know, credentials, and he was like, "All right, yeah, we'll take a shot." And you know, from Sundeck, it led to like O'Neill wetsuits. Yeah, you know. Which was huge. Yeah. They were, I mean, the one, you know, that was it. Yeah. So were you wearing the chill killer? Is that the one that, <laughs> the one that kind of took on water and became heavier than it really was supposed to be? <laughs> O'Neill's always been Actually, really no. I, I was wearing, that was the bright, like, blues and yellows. And, like, the. I remember Scott Farnsworth from out here had the same, we all had oh, the yeah. same suits. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. light blue with yep. yellow sleeves. Yep. And, did, yeah. Did uh, any... Any sponsors approach you to like try to leverage to get into the shop? Like you're like, hey, a new brand, or like, hey, I don't know if I'm gonna, we're gonna carry you guys. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. for oh, yeah. sure, right? Like, yeah, everybody wants. That to still get, goes on today. Yeah, I mean, for sure, like everybody <laughs> wants to get into the shop. To it, it's yeah. funny because I talk to my team riders today, and, and they're all about, you know, like, oh, I, 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 this guy's, you know, wants me to ride his, wear his sunglasses and all, and I'm like, all right, I, I, does he want you? to really support you or is he trying to use you to get to us <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know they, they really don't realize that yeah it, it, it really is it's a business just being yeah. used you yeah. know or, or, or business and I'm like get this all down on writing you know because there's a lot of like wink wink nod nod but what it's really about is is getting it on paper to you know to have something tangible in the end yeah so so you were riding for O'Neill, you were riding for Sundeck, riding your dad's boards, um, you turned pro. Uh, did that take you on like a... Uh, took me on the world tour? Yeah. Wow, okay. Or at least partially. You gotta understand, like, doing the world tour, you, you couldn't make any money unless you were in the top 30. Yeah. yeah. So every penny went every to, get penny you that went next to try event. to get you to the next event. Yeah. And if you did well at that event, you were like, all right, next event. So, I mean, I didn't do the entire tour. Like I did, like, you know, I went to Europe. I did France, England. I flew from there and did the OP Pro. I did all the ASP East events. You had to do all those little satellite events just yeah. to, to have enough cash yeah. to take a shot at a big event that you might, you know, break through. Plus a pull rank on all the local pros and, you know, have that, that, you know, that notch, you know, on your yeah. belt. Like, hey, yeah, I took out this event. Time for me to move on. So what, like 18 years old is when you started doing yep. the world tour? Yep. And what, what was your first event? Whew. First event was probably the Wrightsville Pro in North Carolina. Nice. And uh, it was in September. It was good surf. Um, and it was part of... I don't know. Do you guys remember the Tropics series? Tropics clothing that PT put on? No. Tropics. Yeah. But PT did. Yeah. PT was like the head honcho at Tropics. 
I guess they were a t-shirt company or something. Sounds familiar. But they had they had a contest in South Carolina, one in I don't know Jacksonville, Florida. But there was there was a bunch of little events, you know, that that you could scrounge up a little bit of money and then then you know maybe go do like Hasegor or France or whatever. Um, but there was there was a group of Floridians like Keckley and Kuhn and Johnny Fudge that I would hang out with and just you know try to draft off them a little bit to see where they were going and what yeah. you know what's the plan you know how are we going to get there try to share I mean, expenses like hey you guys yeah. going let's party many, let's many party. a time yeah. sleeping in our board our board bags in tents <laughs> at some of the events you know what you, what's in your board bag uh, what do you got in there um, my whole life including <laughs> a tent <laughs> my body so so uh, we had Matt Keckley on the podcast and um, it's kind of cool to hear because he's a goofy foot you're a goofy foot you guys were traveling together. You both shaped, right? So Keck and I, for the same reason, started shaping. Okay. You know, we, we both realized that we wanted to make the equipment under our feet so that we are, could really advance our surfing. Yeah. And, and that led to really why we started shaping. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it must have been really back then, you know, without social media without I mean really magazines that didn't come out you know came out every month but trying to get coverage from a yeah a west coast magazine on east coasters yeah, <laughs> yeah. kidding <laughs> but the, the progression was happening right like yeah. you know looking back through uh, Keckley's um, you know on, on the internet just checking for photos and videos like he was he was progressive you know Hell yeah like it's, it's crazy how progressive, you know, Bud Lamas, like, when, when we think of um, what progressive surfing, you know, it all starts somewhere. And, and um, I feel like your area, um, era, right, a lot of that stems from that era. Oh, know? absolutely. Especially when Twin Fins hit the... Uh yeah, it hit the market. I yeah, mean. well, that and the magazines were in full circulation yeah. at that time, and you know, you see somebody like putting a board in a you know a certain position on a wave, and you're like, "Wait, I was doing you know, or how can I do that?" And you know, yeah. so yeah. And oh. what what Keckley, Keckley was telling us was like, you know, skateboarding. You know, uh-huh. like that really opened his eyes to like, oh wow, like that guy's going to the coping, you know. That's what the lip is for but us. It was, it was, you know what? It was kind of like we had snowboarding, we had skateboarding, we had everything that was boarding at the time. Yeah. You know, it's like there wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to specialize in this. Guys that were good skaters, they were normally good surfers yeah. and good snowboarders. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like cross pollination of sports yeah. in everything. Yeah. And you, you don't see that as much now. You know, yeah. everybody's a specialist in their in their one genre. You know, we were good at everything. Yeah. Well, for for a period of time, like I think in the '90s, it seemed like there was a separation between surfers and skateboarding. Like in the beginning, surfing and skateboarding was kind of hand in hand, yep. sidewalk surfing, yep. right? And then I think like it it kind of was like that in the '80s, but then the '90s it was like separated. Yeah, like, skateboarding. Well, was because skating. money got involved. That and I think just the style of, of skateboarding. Changed, yeah, it, you know? it went from street skating kind of separated the, yeah. the sidewalk yeah. surfing part of it. Yeah, and, that, and all the sports kind of it kind of hit that split. You yeah. know, yeah. you had the the vert 
you know, and then you had the street, and then you had like That's the, the yeah. surf the surf skaters, and you know, it was this more of kind of like having fun and visualize, and, and that really wasn't getting supported in the yeah. skate industry. No. So so um, you turned pro. Your first contest was Tropics Hatteras. Did you have any successes, any wins, or? I never had any wins, but I would make the semis quite a bit. That's awesome. So, you know, I was like day late and a dollar short when it came to making the finals. But my first contest, I ended up taking ninth place in, and it was cool to get a like, you know, $500 check. It was yeah. like, oh, shoot, yeah. I'm buying the beers tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or actually, yeah, I was able to buy the beer because yeah. at that time, the drinking age was 18. No so, way. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but we would all pull our resources together. So when, when a couple of us had success, we really literally planned, you know, okay, how are we making it to the next event? Yeah. And, and we always had our eye on getting up the ratings. Yeah. Because when you got up the ratings, when the ASP East would start, then you got to surf against the big boys. You know, it's something that's probably needed now again, yeah. is to actually bring back some local domestic you know, domestic tours. tours. Yeah. To yeah. give people a shot, because otherwise, right now, there's really no end game for these kids. Yeah, you know, for those that can't support themselves to go on the full full tour, if they could, if they could get a little little uh, leap by winning a trials and getting into that event, that might just get them to a couple others. And you know, you never know. I yeah. think I think trials are definitely missed and important. So how, how long did you? Give pro surfing a shot. I gave it. I gave pro surfing a shot as until long as you could. Atlantic City Pro, um, when myself, uh, Pat Mulhern, and Timmy Gilly were watching Tommy Kern for the first time, <laughs> and it was good surf, four to six foot, and our our jaws were at the ground, going, this guy is not human. He looks mechanical. He is so far ahead of everybody else's surfing, it's ridiculous. I think I would start shaping a little more. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't think I'm going to beat him because he's light years ahead of everybody. <laughs> and, do you, and do you think, like, did you, were you guys like, okay, who, you know, again, this guy's, why is he so good? What's his board like? Was it all like, how do I, I want to go check out that board? How do I get my hands on that? And, you know, with, you probably want, Kern's probably walking that thing in a bag, like hiding it the whole time, like yeah, golden slipper. We we all did, and that's you know that was in the heyday when Merrick became Merrick. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, Merrick, unbelievable shaper, but to have somebody and rip it on your boards like yeah. that, it was just it validated everything. Yeah, it's it's the chicken and the egg, right? If there was no Kern, would there be a Merrick? Oh, I'm sure there's there there's no still Merrick, would be, would but he definitely sped up the process. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, big business decision by that point. So, yeah. <laughs> Atlantic. What did you say? That was Atlantic or Virginia? It was uh, Atlantic, City. Atlantic City. The OP Pro. Wow. Uh, one that West Lane won, which surprisingly, because West was a big guy and big he could surf. guy on tour. Yeah, he could surf anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he took. I think he might even taken down Kern in that heat, in that contest. But you know, it was nice because. We, our stores actually sponsored the contest along with some other sponsors. But what we did was, and my dad was mom were really smart about marketing, you know, way ahead of like anything else. They, they knew that for us to become viable and really looked at as the leaders in our industry, we had to bring the best talent. 
So they kicked in, you know, $10,000 or whatever at the time, and, and we brought the OP Pro to Atlantic City. Huge turnout, yeah. huge, huge event. And people said, uh, yeah, Heritage was part of that, and, you know, we're going to support the people that are bringing world first-class, you know, contests to our event. Yeah. To our were they beaches. doing, like, uh, like T-shirts and contest tees and making, like... No, you know what? I mean... It just helped later, bring people in, into in the In some store, of the but, other events, yeah. later on in, in, like, the 90s and 2000s, that was more of a... You know how are we going to get return on our investment? Yeah, no, I just figured you know like that's big business at any event you see now, especially the, Nowadays, the U.S. Yeah. Open. You're yeah. like, hey, yep. these guys are are probably making a lot of their initial like you know investment back. You know, and of yeah. course a lot of it's marketing and just getting people into the store. We spent, and just overall supporting the community and what you guys believe in, anyways. You know, so it's kind of a win-win. I, I think you know we both come from hunting to service sport. Absolutely. Spent years upon years sitting on the corners slanging products open op pro <laughs> yeah you know t-shirts yeah. and hats and visors and tank tops it was that was crazy times yeah <laughs> going in the back and bo- unboxing like oh yeah we gosh. need more larges okay we need this more tank tops where the tank tops we're out of the that was, you know because you hustled doing that yeah, right? yeah that's you had to do it yeah. yeah so going back to you 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 did the the pro surfing thing for about a year. I no, I did the pro surfing thing for probably about eight years. Eight years. And I also did the longboard side of pro surfing too. Wow. Oh. I mean, I could Double dipper. When I when I went to contest as an amateur, I would surf kneeboard, longboard, and shortboard. Oh, I mean, wow. if you're going to be there all day at an event, you might as well enter them all. And I mean, I have some U.S. championships under my belt for longboard. So if I was going to go to a pro like the PSAs or anything like that, PSAAs, they had those events. So, uh, hey, I'm going to try to make money in everything I'm going to do. That's cool. And like Buddy Pelletier, one of the best surfers I've ever had the privilege of knowing, was a complete competitor. And he would go, and he taught us that, you know. He was like, if you're going to be at these events, why not try to make the most out of all the money that you can at these events. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, you're right, you know. I'm going to surf longboard. I'm going to I'm going to surf the shortboard if they I'm got a, a beer drinking contest. contest. I'm going to do that too. Yeah, I'm going to get in a bikini contest and then, you know, I'll try to get no. But uh we we were talking I think it's Lambrizi that he did surfing and the yeah. boogie board. And boogie board. Yeah. 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 But, but, I'm sure he doesn't but, want to talk too much about. Oh, uh, you know, he, he's a <laughs> A boogie board champion. I yeah, think. and he yeah. was sponsored by uh, Moray, and yeah. yeah, it did all. But but you know, again, going back, he's like, yeah, I just did that because there was money to be made. But like, of course, I wanted to surf, and so so you did it for eight years. Yeah. Wow. And who were your sponsors during that time? Oh, then then I I was part of the whole Gotcha MCD crew. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You rode for Gotcha MCD uh, along with Archie, Sunny. Yeah. We just had Archie all on those the show. crew. That whole crew. I was the East Coast guy. Wow. Um, actually, Michael Thompson, uh, his wife is from Strathmere, which is 15 miles down the road from us. You're kidding me. So, yeah, so every summer Michael would come through and he would spend some time in New Jersey. So wow. I knew Michael well. Yeah. So Such a small world. Not to deter us because we want to keep talking about your, your pro surfing career, but how is New Jersey such a focal point? Of surfing on the East Coast, it is. I mean, because of guys like in shops like yourself. well, because guys like myself, guys like Dean Randazzo, who made it on the World Tour and 
blew everybody's doors. You know, he, he opened everybody's eyes to the talent yeah. that was really coming out of our out of our state. I mean, we we are probably I would say we are the Huntington Beach in New Jersey. Good of the East Coast, analogy right there. And really, I, the Orange I, County. I, I always call us. I think Orange there's County. a lot of parallel there to, to speak of because I feel like that area is relatively like family and small business driven. You know, up until you know recent, but you know it was reasonable to live. You know, you could raise a family, very accessible. Like you said, you have you know the Tri City. Like you know, you got all these infused money coming in for the summer. Um, there's a lot it's of a tourist tourist yeah based. I mean it's very similar yeah. with you know what we have going plus, on here plus we have an HSS you have an HSS what I think we had an HSS before you though whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> hear that pie that was a shot in the gun <laughs> so yeah um, now it was called Little Waves before and when did it switch to Heritage when well, we used to rent, obviously, our first surf shop, and then finally, parents made enough money, they plopped down on some land, and they built a store in 1972, like about five blocks down the road, still on the beach, and my dad said, you know, new location, what are we going to call it? And my dad's father said, I mean, why not call it your name? Yeah. I mean, Heritage. That's like, a cool name. Dude. Heritage. Heritage can can mean anything especially yeah. it's the heritage of surfing it's and my dad went heritage surfing sport. <laughs> yeah. it's uh you know it's you can't it's, get a better last name no no, no. no. I mean, people today ask me you know that's a cool name how'd you come up with it not realizing that no, that's, that's really last our last name, name. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we thought really long and hard and uh, <laughs> yeah. you had all these uh, names up on the board and this is stuck out how funny. So, so 1972 is when it officially became Changed heritage. Changed the heritage okay. surfing sport. And then um, you have, you, you said four stores? Four stores. Yeah. So when did that start well, multiplying? After our Seattle store, we opened up a store in Stone Harbor. Probably late 70s. Um, did okay, but it was too seasonal. Um, and Stone Harbor is a really ritzy high-end and kind of snobbish a little bit yeah so at that point it, it we were looking for another avenue and um, I decided in 78 along with a partner of my dad's to open up the Ocean City store and uh, Ocean City you know Ocean City is the hub of surfing in New Jersey yeah, yeah. it's just there are zillion surfers there already was a surf shop there surf supplies and I just wanted to change the culture because there, there wasn't enough uh, there wasn't enough business there to you know handle the handle the, the, the volume that was going on in the town yeah and uh, I also at that point wanted to hand pick the best surfers and put them on my boards and make their boards for them so I mean like guys that live out here now, like Tommy Matthews, you know, we picked the best surfers. We took like 10 of the best guys and we just let them loose. And we wreaked havoc in every contest, every party, and, and we created a culture. And that culture just grew like a spider web. So our, our store started flourishing in Ocean City and 
we became the epicenter of surfing in Ocean City by mid 80s. Yeah. How far? So Seattle was the first one. Seattle's like 15 minutes 15 south minutes. of Ocean City. Got it. Got it. And then, um, and then, what was next? Uh, Margate. Then. Then we, you know, we wanted to expand to Margate. So when my sister got married, um, her husband, Jim, we wanted to bring him into the fold, and, yeah. and he he ran the the. Uh, Margate store for a while, just to you know, get his feet wet to test him out to see how he did. And at at one point, when my sister and her husband were getting married or about to get married, my dad came back to me and said, "You know, um, would you mind moving back to Seattle and running the Seattle store? And I want to give Jimmy and Tracy the Ocean City store. And I love my sister and I love my family, so you know, it was where I grew up. I said, sure." Yeah. You know, he threw in some perks, you know, like, I, I now have a home right on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I would, you know, after years and years of cultivating the the, uh, the kids there, I, I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. Give it to my sister, let her and Jimmy, you know, make a living doing what they're doing here. And, and they've grown it exponentially yeah. since then. That's awesome. Yeah, so, um, and then... OC Boardwalk's the last one then. So, Jimmy and Tracy, okay. you know, going to have a little bit of boardwalk presence there because I don't know anybody that's ever been on the Ocean City Boardwalk knows. Yeah. <laughs> it's 30,000 people on the boardwalk every night. Yeah. Just made sense. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, you know, you, your clientele walking around there is a lot of tourism, so they probably want a souvenir shirt. You got a lot of locals. You got people that are going out. It's a good spot to, like get a lot of foot traffic for people spending yeah. money yeah uh, the, the boardwalk traffic is is more like you said more like t-shirts and stuff like yeah. that yeah. whereas hats t-shirts you know, the, the store on the avenue is you know brick and mortar like yeah full hard goods, hard goods. And, yes. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah different yeah the, part of the reason why Jay and I wanted to start doing the podcast is because we wanted to promote our industry you know and the culture and the shops that we deal with, you know, because, you know, you're a business owner. You, you, your family owned and operated business since 1962, pretty much, right? Yeah. Um, and you have four locations, right? And how many, you know, people forget, and, and we want to remind them, you know, not only is it family owned and run, but you, your family employs how many kids throughout? Wow. You know yeah. what I mean. And not only do they employ large number of people, but a lot of the people that we gave the start to, like uh, you know, now are out here and they're you know national sales reps. Yeah. You know, they, they, yeah. their business um, attitude and their business teachings from our family's upbringing with them gave them the upper hand where they came out here now and, and they're the heads of companies yeah you know and and again that goes back to work ethic too coming from the area that we're from yeah and being pa you know being in an industry you're passionate about and, and and learning everything you can at the shop level getting introduced to the the reps and then when the companies are doing tours introducing to them i mean yeah. you guys are their resume you know yeah. Like, oh yeah so but it, also but it's work ethic I the think. Con the, what, what I really want to drive home is how you guys contribute to local communities. 
Uh, yeah. Right? Huge. Like, events. To, to Fundraisers. The fundraisers, the events, the sponsorships. Anybody in need, we, we, we'll raise money for them. And, and, and that is, you know, that goes with cultivating that, that, that tie with the neighborhood itself, you know. Um, when, and it, it was really um, on full display this winter when COVID hit. Yeah. When everybody needed to reach back to support the small businesses, the people came out in droves for us. Yeah. You know, they were there, you know, and, and it showed us that we were doing a good job in making them feel like they were part of something yeah. bigger than, you know, it was a family. Like, yeah. they were like, oh, I'm part of the Heritage Tribe. Yeah. You know, so if they need something right now, we need to reach back and give back to them. Yeah. And we, we talk about that on the East Coast shop specifically because, you know, it's rare we have any shutdowns. Like, the COVID was kind of the first shutdown we've really ever experienced outside of maybe some fires in certain parts of the, the coast. But you guys get hit, like, with hurricanes every year and you're, you know, shut down for a week, boarded up for two, you know, who knows if the shop's going to even be there, you know, so it's kind of like your guys' mindset and optimism and just preparedness is, I think, a little different than what we experienced over here. And you know? Sandy devastated everybody. Yeah. yeah. But what really came out of Sandy, too, is like, like Jetty Clothing, all right? Corey Higgins. Corey. There's, there's someone who put, put his nose to the grind and said, okay, we need to raise money for whatever, you know, to help these people who are less fortunate right now and have lost everything. And the surf community stepped up. I mean, they were all in. Yeah. We were all in. Even though we were devastated by, by Sandy itself, we knew that if we were to, you know, outreach and, and give to whatever his initiatives were, it would come back tenfold to us because everybody would see how we were supporting you know anybody else that was in dire straits yeah that's awesome you that whole community you know various you guys like it it was really great to see how you guys all worked together and and came back stronger and more beautiful than than ever yeah. right there, there's really i mean there's local competition between the yeah, stores of course but when there's something that needs to be done yeah we're all in yeah and we're all in it as one you know one surfing community. Yeah. I mean, that's what I really love about, especially like South Jersey and, and Central New Jersey, New Jersey in general is, um, you know, we put our egos aside, put it in check, and, and we we all come together for the greater cause all the yeah. time. Well, you got to, you know, you look at the big picture, and it's like, man, we just want a healthy economy. We want the surf industry to be healthy. If they're healthy down the street and you're healthy, then it's a win-win for everybody, the sport, and every you know everybody around it. But yeah. if, if it gets, you know, too you know, too nitty gritty and poke and then race to the bottom. It's like, what? why? Why yeah. are you doing that? Like, don't, you know. The only time you want to be competitive now is with the East Coast Board Riders Club. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, see, they, they had to cancel the contest out here because they didn't want us to come out here and spank your guys. <laughs> the gloves are on. Wait, off or on? <laughs> gloves are off. <laughs> that means you're going to get, yeah going out back dude how exciting is that like when that comes to fruition it's cool yeah it's a, a total different type of it, it's really cool because it pulls together like generations yeah. of competitors yeah 
right up to like the young kids that are good now yeah. and you, you see all these people and like they're still stoked dude they're yeah. surfing like they're surfing the Bell's Beach trials you know like yeah. holy shit you they're, know? they're frothing yeah, they're, they're frothing yeah. well, we, you know yeah. like I'm surfing against Dean and stuff you know like come <laughs> yeah. on man you're going down bud <laughs> but, you, but you talked about that when we were kids like the older generation was you know they kind of looked after you and took you under the wing and then you know, generations after, everybody was kind of out for themselves and got a little too, like, you know, I guess secluded and didn't really, you know, include, you know, everybody. Yeah. And it kind of became like it was too exclusive, much. not inclusive. Yes. Yeah. And then this is really bridging that gap because, I mean, when we we're growing up, like somebody three years older than me or five years, they're a whole nother life. Yeah. You know, yep. and as you get older, then you kind of you get you get those eight, those generation gaps, and now you're getting this the guys you looked up to, you're getting the peers, the guys you surfed against, yeah. and you got the next generations, and then the hot doggers. Like well, the, you, there's always a story to be told too. Yeah, and unless somebody tells them that story of how, just like we're doing here, how this came about, those kids, there's no social media back then. They wouldn't know. Yeah. They're not going to go back and look in some Google it and. Yeah. <laughs> How did this come around? Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, so that story's got to be passed down. Roots. You know? Yeah, some roots. But going back to heritage surfing sport and how many you guys, are, how many years you guys have been in business and how many, you know, local kids that you guys employed, you know, and how much that costs to run a business and pay wages and insurance and the blah, blah, blah. Now that we're going into the holiday season, right? One of the biggest important times of of the year for your support, right? Like so, you know, this is the time that we want to remind people, like, don't be don't be a lazy ass and just go click. to the button and click on your phone or yeah. or your computer. Go like, go to the shop. Support your local businesses. Support support your local surf shop. Look, you can button and click all you want. Unless you come in and pick up a board and talk to a knowledgeable staff person or someone who's actually experienced it for years and years and years, you're not going to get that same kind of history or that same kind of education unless you are actually speaking to someone who's done it. Yeah. All right? You can't get that from yeah. a click and buy. Yeah. You don't get that wax no. smell. This you is you don't get like the pad and the fins that you should be putting on that board to where did you surf this morning and last week? Where are you going on your trip to? I mean, the stories that you get and that connection is You just is heard everything. it from Brian Chopper Heritage. <laughs> Elra Heritage Surf and Sport owned and operated by surfers for surfers. Yeah. And he's a shaper. Holy shit. Yeah. That's the trifecta right there. And it is. <laughs> so you guys do other, I mean, I know you guys do like surf rentals and surf like- um, Lessons, oh my Lessons God. Yeah. and like board rentals. Once and we like, get you in the water, it's like catching fish. You're yeah. hooked. But that's also just, you know, another facet of the business. Makes money, also gets people in the store, but also employees, gets people like interacting, look, look. engaging. Best, best personal skills. Surfboards aren't a moneymaker. Yeah. Surfboards were always a leader to get you to shop for the clothing in the store. Yeah. Those who stick with surfing truly then find out what surfing is really about. And once you come fall in love with surfing, you're hooked for life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's that easy. So, um, you know, we, we kind of talked about COVID a little bit. Um, take us back to what you and your team and your family as far as like heritage surf and sport when COVID first struck 
what were you guys thinking? What was your guys' headspace? Hey, two two weeks. It's just been the curve. Two weeks, bro. <laughs> then we're back in business. I mean, uh, we're talking. Yeah, month month goes by. You know, and month goes by, and, and you're opened up from ten to two. So from ten to two, you are salesman, tech guy, showing people pulling up out front of your store with your Facebook, what's available in the store, and then bringing out items like you're at a trade show. And they're nodding in their car saying, yeah, I'll take that. And you're going back inside, they're calling you on the phone, and they're giving you a credit card outside, and you're packaging it up, and you're running it out to their car. You are hustling, hustling for four hours a day, because that's all you really could be open, kinda, and you really weren't supposed to be open. You know, you yeah. you were trying to just survive. So, did, how did that? You know, how did that? Who contacted you from the government? Like, and did they email you like regulations and procedures and uh, all well, that? I, I'm, I took over the chamber presidency of the city of Seattle this year. Oh, congrats! In January, wow. not knowing about COVID or anything. Yeah. So, it so kinda, wait, you, you you are the I, chairman. I'm the president. President of the Chamber of Commerce. Chamber of Commerce. Dang. Dude. Gotta put that on the uh, intro, (laughs) dude. And he just added a zero to his. uh... So here here we are. Like, all right, I'm gonna do this. I told him I'm gonna give him two years, and they're begging me to to run the chamber, and COVID hits. (laughs) So every day I'm getting updates, government updates. You know, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. And you. There's a lot of gray area. Yeah. You you do what you can right to the gray area because hell, Lowe's and, and Home Depot are open. Yeah, right. And how are they essential when mom and pop can't you know yeah. make a dime? Yeah. Well, that's that's bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. All and right. How, so yeah. how do we help them? You you pivot. You you teach them how to use their social media. You teach them how to operate. You know online stores and and you market the hell out of your communities and you say look you're going to reach out to everybody at some point they are going to get a backlash from the home depot and just like everybody else like you know they all saw these small businesses are taking a beating let's go back and support them all right we started offering gift cards buy a certain amount of gift cards get two hundred dollars free gift card to go with it and once everybody saw how bad the small businesses were getting jerked around, yeah. they turned around and said, you know what? You've been here for 50 years for us. We're going to buy in mass quantities whatever yourself. And those people, to their credit, didn't forget us because cool. they knew we were always there for them. Yeah. And you tried to do that, at least we tried to do that with our entire community. Yeah. Um, on on a, you know, whatever scale we could. Yeah. Yeah, we tried to eat out at, you know, get to go for certain restaurants when we could, even though, you know, we were trying to live on a budget too. Yeah. And we're like, you know what? Like, if we're going to go eat and grab something, we're going to grab it from like Next these store. restaurants. Yeah. But, yeah. but what a lot of people don't realize, and, and I know there were some probably hardships, a lot of places, but I mean, people didn't go away for three months. Yeah. They had a lot of money saved up and, and yeah. they weren't going to go on any vacations anywhere. They were glad. To be able to buy something and say, "Oh, this is fresh." Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got a thousand dollar gift card. When we come out of this, yeah. I got a new Bing. I'm buying. Yeah. You know, like they. Well, when they were stoked. Yeah. That also is an emotional time, and you know, like 
what do you do when you're emotional? You want to buy something to make you feel good, you know? Or a lot of the gyms and a lot of stuff were closed. So it's like, well, I, I need to go out and exercise and surfing and skateboarding and yeah. You know, some of these other sports, the only thing you could really... That, and that was tough for us because it was in March, you know. Yeah. It wasn't like yeah. you're going to cool. just jump in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that was the godsend. Um, what we did realize going forward and closed in April and May... Um, you were closed Oh, for we were closed until June 21st. Oh, my God. We had to do curbside until June 21st because our governor... We're right below New York. Yeah. Our governor and Cuomo were... I mean, they were hard asses, they, yeah. And, yeah. and and rightfully so. They they kept us kind of a little more safe because it was it, we were the epicenter. Yeah. You know, so you know, but we had to we had to keep squeezing it out. And one of the things you could do in April and May when the water and the weather started warming up a little bit was you could go in the water. I mean, so we capitalized on that. Yeah. Every parent who couldn't put their kid into a surf or excuse me, a lacrosse camp a baseball camp, yeah. whatever, football camp. No sports. No sports. What are they going to do? My mom can only take so much at home. Yeah. She was like, oh my God, go over to the surf shop. Yeah. Every kid in our family is getting a wetsuit. Yeah. Let's get in the water. I don't care if it was skimboarding yeah. in May, in April, bodyboarding, whatever. They then realized, how fun and, it and was. the kids, and how, how fun it was. Yeah. Like, mom, I'm, I'm not digging baseball anymore. Yeah. The we've surfing a, shit's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? And, and it just kept going. Yeah. Steamrolled. Yeah. It's crazy that there's a silver lining to this whole pandemic. Uh, who knew? I, yeah. I would have introduced yeah. the virus years ago yeah. it's if it whole, meant selling hardboards like I did this year. It's yeah. a whole reset. but also <laughs> Just kidding on the virus. Yeah, I'm really not interested. You know. but, uh, but also <laughs> the, um, you know, the inventory positions on, like, you know, our business is, you know, it's almost like fast fashion. Like, it's new, new, new. Yeah. And we're, you know, the rotation of, like, getting the new stuff in and having the old stuff go on sale and not having the shelf life that you would typically want because it's more and more and more you need this by that it's kind of letting that like that product sell through and hey you're out of khaki or gray you know what i'm gonna go navy or i'm gonna go red because that's all you got but that's my second choice but it's still cool right. you know and you're still moving through you know inventory. i don't think the people at least in our state were so much concerned with the brands that they were coming in because let me tell you brands that we got in were staggered. So one month we may not have gotten any Billabong. We may not have gotten any Quicksilver. But hey, maybe we got some Jetty in. So everything that we got in, when it came in, came in at different times. Yeah. Always looked like there was something fresh. You forgot to mention Outer Known and Ruka. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Outer Known and Ruka. <laughs> yeah. They're real money makers. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But no, no, for sure. And, it, and that's, you know, again, it just goes back to like, you know, people wanting to shop to yeah. make themselves feel good, yeah. or well, because they, got they, that did, they didn't need check, it. yeah, and they couldn't spend it abroad because they had to stay home. So we all got lucky on yeah. on getting money and and them being yeah. forced to spend it yeah. locally. Yeah. yeah. So not to mention the money that they saved, not being able yeah. to go anywhere. So it was like a double whammy. Yeah. yeah. Double whammy. So tell us about your like women's surf club and who who put that together. We have a really brilliant girl named Allison who's our marketing kind of guru, and she's a really good surfer. Yep. And she's like, you guys are missing the missing the boat on women focus. Women focus. Yeah. And we said, you know what? Hey, try the ship. Like we always do. We take good people. We let them do what they do. We get out of their way, and we don't micromanage them. And 
she she made it happen, man. The girls were signing up because they, they don't like surfing with the guys. Yeah, intimidating. Who figured? Right? Yeah. So you know she would she would take these newbies and and nurture them and and create a culture with them where they were having a blast and they would you know surf together and then go have a pizza or whatever, a couple beers and and the camaraderie that has always been what heritage surfing sport was about found a whole new niche. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. setting up trips for them now. Dude, how, you know, how mind-blowing has the level of women's surfing in general? Dude, yeah. mind-blowing. women's surfing. Wait, wait. Yeah. I, I coach the Ocean City High School surf team. You do? We had 16 girls come out for two slots. Wow. All ripped. <laughs> and four of them ripped. And when you go to the high school championship, you can only pick two to go. So here's every practice we had. We had 58 kids sign up for surfing in the high school level. And I'm like, in COVID, we had to have like different pods, you know, like, like yeah. do legitimate social varsity yeah. sports and, and social distancing for these kids, you know. But the level of surfing in our area for girls is through the roof. Yeah. Some of these girls rip. Yeah. So it, step it up, boys. I got two uh, girls on my team that are national champions. Another thing I wanted to point out too, because your shop is called Little Waves, right? <laughs> and and you said the waves were small, but dude, you guys get fucking legitimate swells. And we've always got legitimate swell, but it wasn't until you know these these phones and <laughs> and all these videographers got a hold of these bloggers and all that. Like people started seeing, you know, like, God damn, you guys got really good surf. Really a good lot surf. of the guys damn that came surf to line. a lot of the guys that came to our surf contest when we had them back in the day were going, dude, these waves are sick. Yeah. This place is so chill. Like the Hawaiians would come over and they're like, dude, I fly into Newark and I'm like, I'm thinking New Jersey is all like this, but then they would come down to South Jersey and I go, Yeah, why do you think they call it the Garden State? And they're like, Oh, this is great, I can live here. Yeah. You know, the waves are really good, the water's warm. Yeah. Brett Chalacey, uh I used to work with Brett Chalacey right. back in the day, and uh, I went and stayed at his house, and he took me somewhere where there was a jetty, and I was thinking, oh, it's going to be shitty, get out there, and it was perfect peaks, and it was like surfing Newport, like good Newport Beach. I was like, whoa. Uh, today, out here, great. was like my home break, you know, yeah. sandbar, mid-sandbar, low tide. It's a secret, though. You don't know, we don't know where you are. Yes. <laughs> this guy this guy thinks it's good I mean today was really good but this guy thinks it's today good was like classic, all the time man. I Most mean, like there wasn't much water out of place yeah. Yeah, that was his classic I had a hard time seeing half the sets a damn good week yeah. <laughs> a damn good week <laughs> damn good week I know it's getting dinner time yeah I got um, reservations at 515 uh oh okay we're gonna wrap this up and um, I mean just current a state of you know like you know, we talked about the level of surfing. I mean, unfortunately, there was no tour this year. Do you follow it? Do you play Fantasy Surfer? Do you, like, just watch it on I'm too on old demand? for Fantasy Surfer. I, I watch some of the venues with the events that I like. Yeah. Like, I definitely want to see who who's not going to shit the bed at Chopu. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, Pipe. Um, you know, I, I just... I'm, I'm a fan of professional surfing just to see what's you know what's coming down yeah. and, you know yeah and, we, and these kids always want to see what the latest greatest spin flip 
It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You know. I know. You know what to call half this movie. No. Yeah. Uh, we brought up East Coast Board Riders Club. Um, have you surfed in, in any events I have. yet? Yes. Nice, dude. I was coming out here to compete. I know. Right? They gave me a slot. Yeah. Well, they clear year. off the cobwebs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell this. Tell this guy to start getting in on dude. This guy's scared. You're not part of it. I am. I am. He is. I just, He's scared. No, He's the I'm best not. surfer over his. No, I've I surfed with him. He, he rips. He rips. <laughs> oh, go on. Yeah, go the on. So is it about chalking? Yeah, I know. When you talk about surfing, like he gets all like. So, although I didn't see him in the water with me today, I, he must have known a better quality surfer was out. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, landlocked. I got I got to surf with Simpo today. I was a treat, nice. dude. Now that you bring up Simpo, uh, tell us the story. Does Simpo know that? Oh, Simple knows. Oh, yeah. So Brett, Brett's kind of like my Brett's God's father, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. So uh, when we did a couple of the junior pros, Brett Simpson would come out and stay at our house. And, I mean, the most well-mannered, decent human being I've ever met. And when we had our first kid, my wife goes, God, I hope our kid grows up like Brett Simpson. What do you want to name him? I was like, let's name him Brett. Wow, that's, <laughs> and, isn't that crazy? That's cool. When Hurley would do their, you know, deal back in the day when they would bring all their riders in and come to each of the stores, Brett Simpson would take my Brett out surfing, and so we've got a couple of shots of Brett with the Hurley crew, and it was, you know, maybe waist high wave, but my little Brett at like three years old standing on a softboard dropping into what to him probably felt like an overhead wave oh, for sure and simpson's in the background full cheer champion mode and we've got that picture and and brett's idolized simpson since then that's so awesome yeah 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 brett he, he's been a guest on the podcast and he's a true hb legend and it's it's neat to see him in and around town and being a mentor to the future yeah. kids of uh U.S. surfing and, and the coach, the yeah. Olympic yeah. coach for surfing. So that, yeah. that's what, and, and it's good because really that's what surfing is all about. To it is giving back and constantly giving to the next generation so that they can hopefully do the same thing. You know, play it forward because not everybody has the same opportunity. Yeah. You know, and and if you don't have the opportunity to go and enjoy something that we do, yeah, you, you need to play it forward so that way they can realize. You know how fun surfing really is yeah and and just to, to share that that stoke because you know when you're a kid you're just frothing anyways but to hear like what it was like back in your you know when you know if i'm if i'm talking to my kids like hey when i was here and we did this and just like showing in and sharing that yeah. is like it's i mean the best. i had all those opportunities growing up because all these pros would come through our stores you know, like when I'm 17, watching Larry Burlman pull up, my eyes are like, oh, it's Larry Burlman, oh my God, I want to do one of his roundhouse cutbacks, yeah. you know? You know, and then getting to go like, take him out, you know, like go out and show him the town and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, yeah. you can't emulate that. Uh, what boards did you bring out here? Um, I brought myself out a 6-1, I shaped out of aerial foam. Uh, what I call my Black Mamba. It's it's a high performance board for me. I, I, I ride like I'm getting older. I ride about 33.6 liters, 19 and three quarters. Love it. And uh, I can t I'm still riding a short board. Cool. Um, I, I, but you're again, but you're, you're a longboard champ, so we know you can rip that. But you're going to stay on the short board as long <laughs> like, as you can. I'm going to short board until I can't. 
push myself up or I'm getting yeah. over the falls a little bit too many times, which I did do today. That's the one thing as you get up in age. Um, definitely get into your feet. You yeah. need a little more volume. Yeah. But you don't want so much volume that it feels like a fun shape. Bro, yeah. you need to uh, subscribe to Brad Gerlach's new um, coaching site. Wave Have you key. seen it yet? No. Wave key. Yeah. 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 So you could do it in your own living room in between like nah. swells. The problem and is, is all the. I mean, I've been surfing since I'm five and I'm 58 now. So. Yeah. All those little nicks, like your lower back and your neck and your shoulders, and Dude, it just late nights got it's the just, worst. You surf back. one good session, the next day you're like, I'm done for. I'm I can be done for a intensive week. care unit. Yeah. <laughs> I got to be very selective on my 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 surf selection. So, I know you've been to the wave pool. Oh, I need to get there again. Yeah, I need more waves in there. Yeah, when when uh, <laughs> if it happens again, you're definitely going to get invite from outer known. Um, Tell us about your experience. Got, got to invite less people, though, man. <laughs> I know. You you actually got more waves than I did. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> uh, I was trying to barter for, for slots, and nobody would take. Um, you got the experience, though. I did. And, you know, I got a wave in there. <laughs> and I wanted the left, so I paddled down the other end. And the wave is flawless. A lot faster and kind of bigger than I really thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, you roll in, you're, you're, you're trying to get your footing and, and you feel, you know, just doing some roller coasters and off the tops. Then you then you come off the top and you set up in the trowel and, and the guy on the jet ski's going, faster, 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 it's going, yeah. to, it's going to tube, right? So I pulled into a pretty good nugget and uh, I guess everybody down the line thought I wasn't coming out and as I started to come out somebody made a chandelier on me and I got oh. clipped in the head and I was like hi I need another one yeah. but yeah. Uh, those it's were the breaks for that day <laughs> it's, well, it's definitely like a well I've surfed other way but the, the pool technology is deceiving because in regular surf yeah. you see the whole ocean move and light up and it's just a big scale yeah. there it's like it just comes up right in front it's of you it's funny because you're surfing so towards weird. the Chainling yeah, events, yeah. but you're never getting there. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I think you met him before, Kelly Rosecrans, uh, Kelly Sorensen. Yes. Uh, owns uh, on the beach, so he's been renting the pool himself, putting together packages. Any, yeah. Right. Any open days, he's booking it. I've seen that. And then he's yeah. filling spots. So we we had him on the podcast too. Um, he's been a good longtime friend, but we, we always. Somehow he always gets brought up, Kelly, and on the beach. And uh, because we, we we mention him, he's invited. I've never been. Oh, dude. So, and, but not only you show up and you, you got all these boards to choose from too. Yeah. You're like, yeah, let me try this one. Yeah. It's the setup's perfect. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. food, everything was just so beautiful. First rate. Period. Jay's gonna, we just got to get the price down a little we're, bit. We're doing a podcast, and, and late night's finally going to... Yeah, I'm not surfing uh, the week before. I'm stretching. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so flawless. I'm ice in the back. Yeah. He was ripping. Yeah. Oh, go on. Thing. He was yeah. ripping. Oh, go on. You know, I think it was him, Kelly, and, and Sean Slater out or something. Like, I was like, how does he only get to be three people in the water with, like... Six waves. Can you tell him to go? And he told me to snake him. I know. Which was awesome. Can, can you tell him to like get away from his board when he falls though? He keeps getting hit in the head. I, I think. know. Well, hey, yeah. I know that uh, you're on vacation, you're on East Coast time, and you're on vacation. Uh, you need to get some food under your belly. But Brian, Elroy, Chopper, 
heritage. <laughs> Dude, uh, I, master, you're opening up a whole can of worms on me master, now. I'm going to get whooped ass. Master craftsman, surfer, shaper. Pro surfer. Um, heritage surfing sport's been around since 1962. Yeah. Um, dude, thank you for creating a livelihood, not just for yourselves, but for, for guys like Kevmo, Andrew. Um, you know, you support a lot more people than your own. And, and that's what our industry is about. And we want everybody this holiday season to go support their local surf shops. Yeah. Stop clicking on Amazon and go straight to Heritage Surfing School. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and nobody better in the business of finding you what you really need and giving you the honest truth. Yeah. That's it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Peace. Awesome. That was epic. Hey, don't forget to get your bonsai bowl. You know bonsai bowl? Yeah. Uh, we got some cards for you in the fan. Okay. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.